From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Expressing your love can look many different ways. And with the right jewelry gift from Blue Nile, it can truly sparkle. Blue Nile's collection of classic diamond jewelry makes for the kind of gift that speaks volumes without saying a single word. Or switch things up with a sapphire piece sure to spark conversation. Either way, Blue Nile's diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Express yourself with Blue Nile, the original online jeweler, at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is writer and director Eric Lorink, who's kickstarting his latest film, High Beams, which is a slasher shot in 16mm about a small town terrorized by an axe-wielding killer with a murder truck. Uh, ticks all the boxes for me. All Eric, the boxes. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you for having me. Yay. We're really excited to chat, and I'm I I gotta know. Did, I, so this is like a kind of a regional slasher type movie, right? Yes, I'm very much a Tennessee boy, and I 
would Hell like yeah. as many movies as possible to be filmed there. Cool. So um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your Kickstarter and, and, and what High Beams is kind of about? I mean, we got a brief synopsis, but a little bit more. Yeah, it's... Um, I guess what the synopsis doesn't give is there's a lot of focus on a main character, Catherine, and she thinks the killer is her dad who killed her mom. and She's juggling all these things, and all of her friends are too concerned with their small town going songs. Like one of them is exploring her sexuality in a hot tub, which is a whole sequence. And another friend oh. is, uh, yeah, no, that's oh, I'm excited. Yeah. a big okay. queer threesome. I'm excited. In the, <gasps> oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> I know. I want it really bad. In the, um, the, <laughs> the, uh, and then the other one is like in a, a musical that the local theater center is putting on. And, so there's like all these big set pieces and it, it's it's very much a throwback to my favorite kinds of slashers. Which are? Yeah. What are your favorite kinds of slashers? I like, well, I get, okay, I get different things out of different movies. So like, I like the, the pacing and the characterizations of the late 90s slashers. Like I okay. very okay. much love my Helens in I Know What You Did Last Summers and your, mm-hmm. you know, okay. all those. But I like the... The gritty, scarier tone of like late seventies, early eighties movies, I find them more frightening, and I really like how they're shot and lit, and how the scenes are constructed. And so, I'm trying to bring those two loves together in my work. Hell yeah! yeah. So, like, I know regional filmmaking in particular was really huge back in like the seventies to like the early nineties. Like you could see a lot of vinegar syndrome releases are, are regional horror films. Are are you a fan of that type of kind of shot on video movies from that era? Oh, a hundred percent. I love, yeah. And I get like the, they, the homegrown horrors collections and all of those, whenever one of those Mm -hmm. come out, I immediately get it. And I love it because you can really see, like if you can see the specificity of a filmmaker, especially when working on a small budget, like every accent, every, those movies are just so special. Even like something with a little more money, like Squirm, I would call a regional thing because it's very much set in like this small hick town. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I like specificity of locations and that sort of thing. Cool. Hell yeah. That's so cool. So you mentioned Tennessee. Does, is that where you grew up? You're a Tennessee mm-hmm. boy? I, I was born in Knoxville, but I moved to Chattanooga when I was three. So I'm like a Chattanooga okay. person. Uh, and I, I just love it there so much. I didn't appreciate it growing up. And then I went to college in Miami and I live in Los Angeles. And now I just love going to Tennessee whenever I can. Do you go to the Chattanooga Film Festival? I have been they started doing that while i was at college so it's it's always okay. like my whole ever since they started it's always been at a very inconvenient time <laughs> for me to be there <laughs> but the um i i've gone i was able to stop by twice over the years once i think like there joe bob briggs was doing a thing and i was able to see that and i forgot what the other one was but i've been and i know a few people who like have volunteer there and that sort of thing I wanted to go in 2020 and I was going to go and then COVID happened and it canceled my plans. I was so sad because I really, I really want to go to that one. It just seems like a really nice place and a lot of really good people there working on it. I'm a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I do have to ask, this is not related to high beams, but um, you were a associate producer on the Oscars this year. Oh, see, okay. Titles are so funny because I was just like, (laughs) 
I assistant edited some packages and oh, I remember, yeah, cool. yeah and that, that was all like there were, so it was like, we have a montage of lots of people eating. Eric, you know, movies look for clips of uh, people eating in different movies and, or all these other different montages. Oh, cool. And I was okay. watching the Oscars and the end credits happen. And it was like associate on, and this is like an associate editor. I was on your IMDb and it's like, I was like, Ooh, that's so fancy. I was really surprised. That was the credit they went with. And it, it goes like, it's like deep in the credits. It's not like at the beginning, it's like associate. It's like a few minutes in. I, I just, yeah, those words shocked me a little bit. Hell that's yeah. Cool. I, 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 it's it was cool. cool. It, it's, it's like very <laughs> glaringly different from everything else on my IMDb. Um, I was like, I was like last Thanksgiving. Produce, I was like, hell yeah, I love a range. I love a director and filmmaker with range. Yeah, I have, I have a good amount of like editing experience and like actual not what I do stuff. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did you get into horror films? Like, was it something that you grew up watching? What was your introduction to the world of horror? birth i've just always yeah. been into it and my parents were never really strict about like my mom would just watch the exorcist all the time and she was never oh. she never <laughs> told me to go away or anything and every now and then there were random movies that would come out and they just like they would randomly be like um oh, you can't watch this one and it would really piss me off and so i'd watch it anyways that happened with Jeepers Creepers and um, Saw 2, I remember, came out. And, like, they rented it and they said I could watch it, but I would, I would like, watch it under the living room table while they watched it. Like, I was, like, there in secret. It was very scary. I thought it was, I never got caught, though. <laughs> so I, have I love that. A special nostalgia for those two movies in that way. Do, do you remember, well, first of all, do you remember what your first, the first horror movie that you saw or the one that, like, jumps out at you initially? So, first horror movie I remember watching... I guess I definitely have early memories of the exorcist specifically. Like I guess the the bit where the guy goes into the church and the statues, like the, the, the Virgin Mary statue has like spiky boobs and like a thing coming. Uh, Okay. Like that's like one of my earliest memories. (laughs) And wow. uh, I remember my family watching a nightmare on Elm street three while we were on vacation once. (laughs) But wow. I wasn't there for and then, and then just like kids horror, I was always watching like like I was always watching okay. Goosebumps. I was always watching mm-hmm. like anything that okay. I could just watch on my own. I would be cool. What did you gravitate to horror movie wise as a kid? I really like like special effects and monsters. I gra- oh, like so I watched Goosebumps okay. more than Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because Goosebumps had more monsters. Like there were so many Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes where there was just like a ghost or something, which I love now. But initially, I was all about the effects. I I was obsessed with like Nightmare on Elm Streets, and I didn't watch Scream for so Ooh. long because I was just like, ah, oh, this is a slasher; they're just gonna get stabbed. But like the <laughs> the if I knew there were like crazy effects or something, I, I really wanted that. And then I saw 2004. I was eight, and uh, Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments came out, and that was uh-huh. like I watched everything that was in that, and that changed everything. I was like. I wonder how many people's lives were changed by that, by the way. I think a lot of people. Every time, like, <laughs> someone brings it up on Twitter, you just see, like, a million people being like, oh, my God, me too, me too, me too. Yep, exactly. And it's just so, it's like lightning in a bottle. It was, it's also just, it's like one of the best documentaries ever. Because people do similar things now, but, like, half of those filmmakers are dead now. So you can't bring them back. Because they got, like, 
everybody in it. Guillermo del Toro's in it, Toby Hooper, Courtney Cox, and then just like a hundred other people. It's crazy. It's amazing. And now you mostly get like the festival circuit. Like, yeah, they're they're amazing people, but it's the same people and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (sighs) that's true. It is true. Were you a scared kid growing up or were you able to handle horror movies um, for the most part? Was able to handle horror movies. I'm scared of life, though. Like, I was very afraid of the <laughs> dark. Very afraid of... I, ever since, like, like age six, I... Terrified of death. Like, the, oh. the, the eternity oh, of there okay. not being a heaven or there being a heaven. Like, both of them freaked me out deeply and I never got past it. Did you grow up religious? Like, were you raised uh, Catholic? I was raised, so Presbyterian, which is like a a pretty chill Christian. Like they're like, yeah, you can be gay. You can be whatever. And they're just chill about it. Yeah, they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty, they are pretty chill. The idea of existing forever or ceasing to exist or just Uh like the eternity of space. All of it has freaked me out forever. Very existential. (laughs) Fair, fair. I can't. Never (laughs) been able to deal with it. Okay. So what was the, what was like, what was the last movie that, really freaked you out like has there been a movie recently that really got under your skin that really kind of like shook you it's never a whole movie it, it, like forever okay. it's always just been like a scene from a movie you'll get me and i'll be like oh that got me so Ooh. i just saw like talk to me yeah I, which we're gonna, i like yeah i liked it very much but the scene there was like a fun montage of them like all partying getting possessed mm-hmm. or whatever and i was like <laughs> this feels real and it got me I was like, this feels too real. And now I am scared for these children. And that's what got me about Talk to Me. Those kids looked like kids. Mm-hmm. And like they yep. were very in over their heads. It freaked me out. Um, but then the whole movie didn't scare me. It was just like a couple scenes here and there. And that's usually how it goes for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm excited for everyone to start talking about Talk to Me now after everyone's seen it. And like, it's going to be, I think, a lot of people's like, scariest thing they've seen in a while i really liked it and it i know and, and like it you're right though the kids feel like kids they don't feel like adults playing kids they actually yeah, feel like teenagers. it was really impressive and it was yeah i really liked it i'm interested what a sequel is gonna be <laughs> yeah i know it just got announced part. today yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> a24 and, and going like, for that franchise baby <laughs> like no. i just I liked it a lot. I just, and I think you should just give the Filippo brothers another different thing. Like, That'd be nice. I'd be interested in what like other filmmakers would do with it. Like give me the yeah. children of the corn three of talk to me. Oh my God, please. Yeah. I beg. I, re- I require <laughs> it now. I require it. Oh my God. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So Eric, we have talked to you about your horror history but what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? I have brought Children of the Corn 3 with me. It's a very good movie. Uh, Urban Harvest. Children of the Corn 3, Urban it's Harvest. It's very important to include the Urban <laughs> Harvest because so it it's, really, it's, it, it's just incredible. But Sorry, what are you so, It's so funny because every time I see that title, Urban Harvest, I immediately think of 30 Rock because... There's like this joke about the rural juror and then the sequel is Urban Fervor. And so every yeah. time I see Urban Harvest, I want to go Urban Fervor. I, it's just, it's dumb, but it is, it's, it's how my brain is hardwired. So this is Children of the Corn 3 Urban Fervor for me, honestly. Hell yeah, cool. Um, so the synopsis for Children of the Corn 3 Urban Fervor, um, a boy uses his powers of mind control to recruit Chicago children for his reign of terror against adult mankind. 
10 out of 10 synopsis. Um, before we just launch into everything about this movie, Eric, I would love to hear your Scarred for Life story. Why is this the film that you have brought with you today for us to discuss? I would love to hear how you saw it, how old were you, what effect it had on you, all that jazz. So there are kind of, there were two instances of this movie affecting me in my youth. The first was catching it, catching just the opening on TV when I was like four or five. And I didn't even oh, wow. know what it was. So oh. there, there were there were years that went by where all I knew was like this guy, his lips got sewn up and his eyes and he was like a scarecrow. And that freaked me out because I was four and I didn't know what it was. I figured it was the Children of the Corn, but yeah, I don't I don't know. And it wasn't as easy to get. They didn't have those at our Blockbuster. So I had to wait gotcha. until uh blockbuster sent dvds in the mail to compete with netflix before i saw the children of the courts that's when i finally saw because i grew up yeah we watched the first one a bunch and they would show five on sci-fi all the time so i saw one and five a bunch but it was a while before i saw three like not till middle school and then when i finally saw it i was very excited because one i was like oh it's that movie where the guy got scarecrowed but got scared by there were two scenes the the one where malcolm dies like his his spine gets lifted out of his body it's terrifying it is awful it was up it's a very frightening scary uh death especially for a character who's just like fine like he didn't deserve that but the um no and the other one that got me was and this was like the religious horror of it when the um the priest is hanging upside down on a cross and Eli leaves him alone. And you just see the Virgin Mary statue, like turn to him and smile. And then the kids come in and he's like dying. And it's like, what did she do to him? What did she do to him? And it really freaked me out the first time I saw it. And I loved it. Yep. So I, I want to, I want to linger on Malcolm's death for a moment because that was like, there were, I, I think I underestimated this movie. And I think that the <laughs> underestimations of this film, because it's the third movie, it was yeah. released direct to VHS. Um, I was never a huge fan of the first one, to be perfectly honest. I was a it's fan a of the slow. Stephen King. It is. I was a fan of the Stephen King short story. And so I remember renting the original one and being like, ooh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it and being really bored and being. I. It's been a very, very long time since I've seen it, but I don't even remember there being like a, a monster in it like they don't i think show they reference it, it. They, they don't show you see it okay the ground they actually take shots from the first movie and use them in the third one like the the ground raising as it's like racing underneath the ground that's those okay. are shots from the first movie so oh, that's all okay. you saw and then when they exploded oh. at the end of the first one you see like a cartoon frowny face and that's all of the monster in the first one okay that I, that's what <laughs> i remember yeah. i remember being very disappointed because yeah. I remember thinking, "Ooh, I can't wait to see what kind of monster they're going to have in this." Yeah, and I remember being disappointed. But so I, I was like, uh, "This is a a series I'm not going to be interested in." So I think that going into this, I was not expecting a whole lot, and I was definitely not expecting the effects. I remember sitting there going, "Wow, these effects are really fucking yeah. good." Who I think did they them? And then it screaming Mad George, right? Right. I was like, yeah. "Oh." This makes perfect sense because the, it gives me the sort of like Dream Master vibes or society vibes or the kind of stuff that he would typically do, except maybe a little bit more lower budget because it is direct to VHS. But still, oh, yeah. they look really fucking good. There's some shots good. at the end that are a little uh, extra low budget, but <laughs> yeah. the ambition it makes up and, for it, I believe. And there's I stuff agree. that I mixed in that. with the low budget stuff. Like Charlize Theron's yeah. death is uh, goodness Charlize me. Theron being in this movie. <laughs> 
gets a, a tentacle to the vagina? Is, is that going to happen? Yeah. In- incredibly Silent Hill uh, of this it, movie. Yeah, it's what it it's very Silent Hill. I, I got a lot of Silent Hill vibes from this, actually. I was like, wait, hold on. Hmm. Fascinating. The and the... Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. It's good. I'm also, like, in general, I'm a children of the corn boy. Like, okay. Okay. are, I think, 11 now. And I love most of them. And I think, like, the really? fact that most people... I love that. The, just most people not watching them or not liking them, it's one of those things where it made me like them more because it felt special to me. And I like when I can share it. Especially three is so... Like, everybody likes three. And five is also pretty crazy. It's just is not it really? as... Is five the one... So I, I found out recently that one of them has... Um, Naomi Watson it? Is that That's true? That's four. Wait, really? She's the lead in four. I... Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We the have... cast of these... So, yeah. Four, five, and six, and seven have kind of crazy all over the place casts that are very interesting. So, like, especially they start getting veteran actors, but they don't do anything with them, which is crazy. <laughs> they... Yeah, it's... It's such a weird franchise. I love it. How were you introduced to the original Children of the Corn? Were you a Stephen King fan at all growing up? Or so how did you... Definitely a Stephen King fan. But Children of the Corn was one of the ones that was in 100 Scariest Moments on Bravo. That okay. I, I watched okay. very soon okay. after. Because my mom likes Children of the Corn a lot. And so we, we got it pretty easily and watched it. And I liked it. And that was that. And then 2 was the hardest to find. Because there, there wasn't like a a good DVD release or anything like that for a while. So that was the only one I actually had trouble watching, but everything else. Yeah, no, I, I, I got into it pretty quick and I liked how weird and different they all were from each other. So you've seen them all, which, which one, which one did you say is your favorite? Three is the best one. and the favorite most likely. Um, though one in five, I have strong feelings for and six is like, (laughs) I think is like, Six, nobody else in the world likes, and I like it a lot. So there's, like, that that thing there. Um, yeah, the chip on the shoulder type of thing, yeah. Whereas, yeah. Hell yeah. No, six really does it for me. I think six is the queerest one, and I gravitate towards that. It oh, was, okay. The, um, the John Franklin, who plays um, the little kid in the first one, he his character comes back in six, and he wrote six. So it's a movie oh. uh, written by a queer person, and it's directed by a woman. So it's like very, uh, th- oh. there, there's, there's no right. male gaze. There's like, it's very like, look how hot these guys are. And the girl lead is just kind of cool. And I like that. And I like how it's shot. It looks cool too. The woman who directed it went on to make the, um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I know this, this franchise is crazy like that. It's like all these, like, yeah. Yep, Mary Beth, I think we found a new franchise to, to watch for a little cut. Yeah, because I like I was gonna say, like, I don't really know Children of the Corn. Like honestly, Nobody I think does. I saw <laughs> I think I've seen I saw the twenty the new one that came out this year, and then I saw this one. Like these that's like the children and like I've that's read it. Crazy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not a big I know what it is, and like I'm not a big Children of the Corn person, but Children of the Corn three, honestly, like okay. The three I, is the best one. To... So like just no, like oh, four yeah. is oh, kind of boring, and <laughs> you know. I just like Urban Harvest, and they go to Chicago and start like <laughs> fixing Chicago's youth. <laughs> like I'm upset. What? Like I, I, I don't understand. 
and and I do at the same time. And there's a scene where he looks like he's wearing an he's an Amish boy and he's playing basketball with the black kids at school. And there's like hip hop in the background, and they're like, "Look at the white boy playing basketball." And I'm like, "What is this movie?" <laughs> It's incredible. And then the effects are incredible, though. Like, the monster design and the kills are so good. And I was like, you know what? 10 out of 10. This movie is incredible. It knows exactly what, what it's I'm doing. It. I like, it I, I feel like it just is like, it's a, it's the third Children of the Corn movie. Fuck it. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that. A lot. <laughs> I want to go back to that, to the opening scene, because that was the very first thing that you saw when you were, what, four? Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah, like four or five, like super young. What did that do to you as, as a little kid? You said you didn't know what it was, and you just had seen this little scene. Yeah, so there were there was a while, like, I, I would try to find what it was from for a while, and nobody knew Children of the Corn 3 that well that I knew. <laughs> so, like, I could never find it. And I, I just, like... The image of the lips and eyes getting sewn shut stuck with me. So anything that does like a similar thing, I go right back to that. Like the, uh, the first, uh, Ouija, Ouija, whatever movie, that was like the running thing. Like people's lips oh, would right. get sewn up. And I was mm-hmm. always like, Children of the Corn 3. Uh, and any, anything that does that, it always reminds me of that movie. And it's just, just like a lasting thing that stuck with me. I, even in some of my scripts that happens to people, uh, except in mine, it's piano wire. It's a little <gasps> different. But... That hurts. Ow. Yeah, it's supposed Ooh. to. It's good. <laughs> so I, I think that this opening scene is what initially surprised the hell out of me because we get like the evil dead thing. His shirt is getting yanked. His arm gets like ripped off. I'm like partially ripped off. And you see like the skin ripping and the blood pouring out. I'm like, Wow, I was not expecting this in a kind of I thought I kind of thought this was like a, a cash grab of you know we're going to release these stuff on, yeah. on VHS, and yet here we have this opening scene that is vicious as fuck. He's getting crucified. His arms are getting or his eyes are getting threaded shut, and we have like little Eli just channeling every single creepy kid trope, unknown imaginable, and just bringing the <laughs> camp with it. And he's like, watch over this as you would watch over me as he's holding up the the encrusted Bible. It just there's so much in this opening scene that I just absolutely, absolutely adore. And I was like, okay, I sat back and I'm thinking, all right, so we have a different movie than what I was expecting almost right out the bat. It's pretty good. (laughs) I think it it really is. It was the first. So this is the first one. Dimension and Miramax, they bought Children of the Corn. And, like, they make, like, all these uh, Children of the Corn and Hellraisers and Prophecy movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. go on and on. But I think this was one of the first... I think they might have done the second one as well, but this was their first direct-to-video one. And oh. I think, like, they were trying really hard to huh. make it a viable market for them. Whereas later on, they just knew anybody would buy a Hellraiser <laughs> movie if it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do like a lot of those direct-to-video Hellraiser sequels. But they're not as good as Children of the Corn 3. Again, I mean, Children of the Corn 3. Is? Like, incredible, incredible opening sequence. Like, really, you're like, oh, Jesus, we're really getting started. And then we get thrown into the parents trying to have, like, I just love the parents. It's parents, like, gave me very poltergeist parent vibes of, like, trying to be cool parents. Yeah. And, like, I know they didn't smoke weed, but I was waiting for him to, like, whip out a joint and start, like, <laughs> smoking a joint at one point. And, like, look... This is just me, but I 
I'm so tired of watching movies where husbands force their wives to have sex when the women's are when the women are comfortable. It's I don't know why. Weird. It is a weird trope, and I like. Yeah, I know it's so small in this movie, but just like for it always, I'm just like, why is this a thing? Why do we have to show the dad and the mommy like, oh, to check on them? He's like, fine, and then he cuddles up to her while she's asleep. I'm like. Well, see, I was wondering if that was a dream or not, that moment when he's cuddling up against her. And because, like, because it's turned like, oh, maybe. Because I I think it turns into a nightmare. Because, like, I was initially like, what is happening here? This got really creepy really fast with him in the bed with her. And I I think it was the dream. Yeah. I think it's a a, a filmmaking (laughs) shorthand for, like, when they want to establish, like, oh, the husband's kind of like dumb and inattentive and the woman is a little wiser like they cheat that with that weird sex trope i know it's just like so it's just a weird yeah uh, it's just i don't know i'm like get a new idea yeah (laughs) yeah that's just me though and again that's just like a tiny nitpicky thing but i just like real i realize it more and more especially as i'm married now i'm like this is not what like Ugh, good lord. I loved so we, we get the, the kind of dinner scene and we have like <laughs> Eli going <clears throat> as he wants to say grace. And I just love the grace that he gives about giving thanks to he who walks behind the roads, so protect the crops <laughs> and keep the infidel and unbeliever in torments of hellfire eternal. Hell and yeah. then the father just goes, Well, that's a real toe tapper. <laughs> I love that line. Like- it's just like it's the so dedication funny. is very fun from him. Like he's trying. He really is he's dedicated. Like, maybe they're just weird kids, and we're just trying to like <laughs> josh them. <laughs> it's like, no, your kid's insane, but that's okay. Yeah, it's tricky. All these have like a kid who is a cult leader, essentially, and it's such a hard thing to pull off. The only ones that like do it completely for me are the first one because they got an adult who looks like a kid to do it, so it makes sense that they would listen to him mm, because he has mm-hmm. some part. And then the newest one where the little girl plays it like a mob boss instead of a cult leader. Uh, I was really I into her. that. I love she her was so much. She, she was, was iconic. So I don't even care. I will hear no, no blasphemy against my girl. Movie. I'm obsessed with her. She's it made the so movie good. for me. I was so down with it. And also like the last bit of that movie was a little scary. And I don't know. I liked her. So I liked that she had a different take. And so this is just another one of like the kids trying to be cult leaders. And it it's funny. It's just funny. I mean, I thought this Eli was pretty fucking scary, like, at some points, when he wasn't being, like, a little, like, kind of, like, a sassy little yeah. kid, but, oh, he's yeah. so swarmy. Anyway. He's also he's... the main demon kid in Demonic Toys, if I don't know. Oh, I've really? never seen that. Yeah. Ah, there... I like the first I'm one. I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with it. There's more than it. one? Yeah, there's... There's... One, two, and Dollman versus Demonic Toys. And uh, Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys is happened as well. Oh, seriously? Oh my God. Yeah. That was a made-for-sci-fi one. Ah. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he had I, his little thing before this to prep him. Man. So I, I have to say that when when Eli was giving his like rationale to the people, I was like, you know what? Adults do kind of fuck up the world. <laughs> it's like that's the I, thing you're with not these wrong, kids. kid. Like the kids aren't always wrong. It's just like maybe you shouldn't have result. Like res- like I get why you went the way you did. Probably wasn't yeah. the best idea, but I kind of get it. You know, like sometimes I kind of like the kid wasn't wrong. Yeah, when he's talking about how they're gonna choke the air with pollution and the water with sewage and and it's all adults, I'm like, you know what? 
fuck the fuck the adults let's 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 establish this kind of new rule of order because i'm like this is this is actually quite quite true and i I feel it's more resonant now as we are seeing like everything that that the 90s was kind of warning about is now coming to fruition it's sort of like you know what that's not a cold sketch yeah they have a little bit of truth it's true yeah so Mary Beth, you said you weren't familiar with this, correct? At all? Correct. Not yeah. Other than like, the knew, new one, I knew of what they were, but I wasn't like super familiar. Yeah. Have you ever? Have either of you ever read the short story? I love the I short story. I think I it's a phenomenal. It's like it is much better than the like. I love the first movie, but it is better. It's just good. It works as a. Uh, it just like it, it's snappier because it's short. So it, it's like the uh, and the the title spoils that it's gonna be children but the early parts mm. of the short story where they just like know they're being watched and they're like where is mm-hmm. everybody we're being watched yeah. it's like the pilot of the twilight zone where the guy's alone in the town it, it yeah. feels like that and it's very scary and then that they get so fucked up at the end is also very scary uh and the remake that there was a made for sci-fi remake of children of the corn that was closer to the book but that one was too the couple was very unlikable in that Okay. I see. I remember loving the short story, but I also live in Nebraska where it's set. (laughs) And so the, the, the thing is, is that seeing the movie and reading the book and sort of like seeing how scary some parts of Western Nebraska is, is actually quite true. I remember the very first time I was um, cognizant that there were Democrats and Republicans was when we were driving out west in Nebraska and there was a giant billboard that someone had paid for that says we shoot Democrats on site. Oh, no. Okay. And that was my first. It followed next to a bunch of like religious billboards (laughs) and billboards about, um, you know, pro-life, abortion's bad, yada, yada. Like this is the billboards that are going out into Western Nebraska. And so when I see, when I read that short story and I see the movie, I'm like, yep, this is where this kind of horrible things would happen because they're all about religion and yet death at the same time. And so I do think that Stephen King kind of nails how desolate and terrifying um, parts of Nebraska can be once you leave like the more metropolis parts of Omaha or Lincoln it's it feels very um threatening and apt and i think that's something that i've always appreciated and it might also be kind of why i didn't really dig the first the first movie but well, the thing that works the most in the short story i think that is not an element in any of the movies is that their weird corn religion um and the reason why it's such a surprise there's a corn god at the end is that it's a bastardization of christianity because they find mm-hmm. a bible and there's like passages ripped out and scribbled over and words are replaced and so they took this already kind of like religion that has not great elements in it. And they yep. exponentially focused on those and yep. added weird corn stuff. And it's very interesting. Like the, the church stuff in the short story is really cool. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's what surprised me about this one is, I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why it surprised me, but the focus on religion and the focus on, I, I love that we actually get to see this idea of he who walks behind the rose. Is that what it, is that what he's yeah. called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that we get that, and I love that this movie embraces that that kind of cult aspect. And I I don't know why I wasn't expecting that because I mean the first one does it too, and I assume that that is like a continuing theme throughout all of them. It's different though. So in all the other ones, the kids are already like down with it. 
And usually okay. one kid gets possessed by he who walks behind the rose. And that's okay. what's happening. So, like, especially in two and five, like, a bunch of fog will go in a kid and then his eyes are green or whatever. And he's <laughs> like, we gotta kill the adults. And they're already in the religion, so they're down. But in this one, it's not a kid who's possessed. He's just, like, really devout. And there aren't any other kids who are on his side. So he has to recruit everybody. So the, the, the plot lends itself to that focus. Yeah. Which is why I love that they put it in a different setting. Like, you get to do so much mm-hmm. more. I love how much you love Children of the Corn. Like, I feel like I don't hear anyone talk about Children of the Corn like this. And I, like, greatly appreciate how much <laughs> you love and know about this franchise. I think it is so good and cool. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I I enjoy them. And I understand that they are not perfect films. But I do love them very much. I respect that very much. <laughs> so, speaking of not being perfect films, the thing that, that makes me laugh is this poster. IMDb has a poster of it, right? And what I love is that there is a quote, and I can't quite see who it was from, but it was from some Academy Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror film. Gives a quote and says, horrifying, move over Jason and Freddy, but they spelled Freddy with an (laughs) I-E. And not a Y. And I'm just like, I'm staring at this poster going, who let that go through? (laughs) (laughs) fucking terry of course you that's what you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> it's important it's freddy krueger he is the yeah, best of the slashers i know i know and you give him an ie yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, it just like like and i think well and i think like i was waiting for the okay it's called urban harvest and there are a couple scenes where like a black kid pulls out a knife and like threatens to kill him in a mm. classroom in and school, i'm like yeah. what are and they're in chicago which already, like, people have a bad reputation. It has a bad reputation. I'm like, what are we saying here? Like, where are we going? And I was like, is this another, like, misguided 90s attempts at making, like, urban horror? And I look at course corrects for the most part. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, it could have gone much worse. But at the same time, like, really just veering into really strange territory in the beginning with um, an ad- what looks like an adult man threatening to stab a child in a high school classroom when the kid will refuses to leave the classroom with so from his brother. <laughs> it, it, this is ninety five, so this would have been. I, I bet the movie got greenlit like right after Candyman came out. Oh, oh yeah, uh, fair. Okay, and this That's comes fair. out the same year as Candyman two. Then, mm. and so they probably were like we're just gonna set it in chicago and do an urban thing when they probably didn't have like a single black person in the creative or writing yep. so they just probably did their darndest uh without thinking about it is what i'd imagine happened. fair 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 yeah which isn't and a also, defense it's just an explanation well, also no. like uh, the 90s and horror like i feel like there are some really great stuff in the 90s and horror and then a lot of like ooh stuff in horror <laughs> Yeah, I love the '90s. It might be for me. It's the most fun decade of horror. I think I, I like I like the slashers it's, dying and like grasping for different things, and I love them figuring it out. It's definitely the weirdest decade in like a good way, though. Like yeah. I think it's like super experimental and bizarre for a lot of reasons. But anyway, <laughs> so we, we get some really fun kills in this, and I'm curious what what is your guys' favorite kill in this film? Do you have one? What was my favorite kill? Because I'll be honest, the one that surprised me was Amanda. Um, yes, that one is... Because I, yeah. I was not expecting her to kind of be escaping the corn, falling on a on a pole, and then getting the pipe yeah. bursting through her face. The movie kind of sets her up to be the lead. And then yeah, the it does. It's very omen. That. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it, I was getting Omen vibes. I was like, okay, so we're just going to get her out of here real quick. All right. Sick. <laughs> Alrighty. I, I respect that. I was surprised, but I respect it. I mean, I think the the spine stretching is the most... So good. Oh, so yeah. good. I also will say the reveal of the old man, like, with his face in the dirt, or, like, mm. like with the roots in his eyes, I thought that was just yeah. really, really fucked up and gross, and I just, like, loved There's how lots it of looked. weird, like, people live a little bit longer than they should, and you think about yes. how, like, yeah. painful it would be, and they're good about that. It makes them all worse. Yeah. It's got, like, blob vibes. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Blob I vibes a little that. bit with that. But yeah. I was really surprised when he showed up later and he's still like alive with the like yeah. vines and yeah. I'm like this is this is gnarly. You someone Again, come out of his misery, please. Discrediting this movie. <laughs> Too also, much it's not my I... favorite, but I like the uh, the woman. She's like getting chased around and she's about to die. And she's like, I gotta smoke a cigarette, and then her whole head catches on fire and <laughs> her face so melts off. Yeah, it's crazy. I love it. She's so good too. I know her. She did a good job. <laughs> she was really good in this. So I was I was curious about the the corn situation. So <laughs> the who corn designed situation. this corn? Was it was it Joshua's dad? Is like a, a strain? I'm like I I was really a confused strain. about I was really confused about like the strain of corn that was like was it supernatural? Was it something that someone what is happening with the corn? Yeah, so it's so Eli has this like his special corn seed and so like like they try cutting it and they're having trouble and they're sh- so it's just special corn that has been tainted by corn okay. god stuff. Because like and someone even, makes a comment that it's his dad's special strain, and I was like, "Is that what did I miss?" Because I felt like I, I missed something. I think they're just trying to pass on credit to the dad to because they he's trying to spread it. Is does he? Oh, now I forget. He puts the seed in the kid's food, and that's what gets all the students possessed, right? Yeah, I think he puts yes. it like it, and it so causes some people to, to like spread have. It bugs pouring out of their mouth after putting the seeds in like they i'm a little confused on the whole like what does the seeds do because <laughs> I, I think it's a little messy different people i think it's just like oh yeah this fucked up thing happened because of this corn don't ask any more questions about where it came from yeah <laughs> that's like yeah. the vibe i get from it like don't ask questions <laughs> <laughs> so terry I, you know you don't get an answer <laughs> No, no, no questions. I did no questions. love that the dad is so like obsessed with the corn and wants to like. All of a sudden, he's become a corn seller and is pushing it on bosses to to sell across the world. I'm like, it's corn. <laughs> I get like it is. I was just that's another thing I liked about the newest one. Any of these where like big corn is an element, like com- <laughs> like an ominous company that's just, like in corn. I, I love like the that's corn. crazy. That's a thing. It, it really is. It's like a bunch of guys opening a fucking trunk and there's all this corn. They're like, great work. And I'm like, oh my god, big corn the whole time. I love it. It's so silly. It's so silly. I was surprised at how how cute Joshua was. Oh, tell me more. I, I, he, he, I don't know. He has this like very innocence to him. But like when he when he was like had his shirt off and everything, yeah. I was like, okay. I would have had a crush on him growing up. Yeah, they knew what they were doing with that. It cracked me up. I love it. Sweet, innocent farm boy getting bullied by his, like, younger brother who's actually a cult leader. 
the 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 next door neighbor Maria is like teaching him about bases. Oh my god, yes! And Malcolm walks in on it. Don't. What did he say? Like, don't blank my sister or something like something <laughs> weird like that. I can't remember. Something funny came out of his mouth, and I was like, I love the 90s. I love, I just love yeah. the 90s. Also, I like that group. Like, I like all those kids. They're good little I performances. Too. They were a good little, like, cheesy horror movie friend group. I like them. Yeah. Which is, it really feels like Malcolm should survive. It's like, yeah, it was really sad. It's so bad. Like, and their parents <laughs> side too. Maria is just fucked. Yeah. Bless her heart. I was. I was really surprised that uh, with 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 his death in particular because I was like, it's the most vicious, honestly, of them. Like the most visually vicious. I do think yeah. that Charlie Theron gets <laughs> gets kind of fucked over. But like, <laughs> in terms of like what we see, his death is like the most vicious moment. I love when he like he notices that the scarecrow's gone. He's like, I'm out, I'm out, and then he offers to go back for the book. I was like, No, Malcolm, don't do so that. Stupid. It's... Don't ever offer to go back. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Run. Ugh. Wow. Uh, what a film. What what a film. What Cinema, a film. If you will. We do have to talk about the ending, this climax, which is like the <sighs> oh, part yeah. that like sold me on this film. When we get to the giant monster that is a fantastic <laughs> giant puppet that is eating dolls at the moment when he picks up. Oh my up. god. Oh, yeah. it's so good. It's just, oh, it's Maria, It's two shots that are rough. The Maria getting picked up and then the side <laughs> view where she's stop motion. Everything else looks pretty alright. There's also like it's some a, weird yes. like there's like some weird video compositing where like Yeah, it looks like, like really compressed. Yeah. But outside of that, most of it looks pretty great. There's just like three or four bits where it looks like it looks like a, an old King Kong movie when it looks like he's picking up a Barbie doll. Yeah, like it, mm-hmm. it's so funny. And all the stuff happening on the sides is really good though, and helps make it feel bigger. Like the guy getting yeah. like cut by the window, all the kids drowning in the mud, all the yeah little like, side things. One guy getting strangled. I appreciate yeah. that they kill like killing a bunch of kids. Like it's fucked up, oh, but again, yeah. like I'm always a sucker for a movie that's like not scared to kill a kid. Same. And so I like loved that these kids are just getting absolutely wrecked left and right. There's also some very funny ADR, like the the voices over like there's one girl and this is not the sound she's making on set but they put over like like i don't know why they did her so dirty (laughs) so mean i love that maria gets eaten and then she is going through what almost looks like the uh the ass end of the queen alien like it is like this long I'm, I'm guessing it's the root, but I was like, it looks like she's going through the colon this entire time. And then he is hacking at it and pulling it up. And it is so goopy and gross. And that is when I was like, who did the effects? And that is when I found out that it was Screaming Mad yeah. George. But I was like, that makes perfect sense. Because that moment was very like, early, like late 80s society level kind of goopy, gory, gross stuff. And I was, I was like, I am a fan of this. And I do think that everyone involved with this went so much harder than... A direct VHS movie in the '90s typically got. Yeah, I'll point out oh, yeah. the director. You can t- like, there's so many like split diopter shots and funny. I, angles. Yes, it's he was. Try- I think he's 
Anthony Hickox's brother. So like Anthony Hickox made Hellraiser three and um, oh. Warlock two and Waxwork, and I I, I think oh, it yeah. was like his I, his brother or his cousin or somebody trying to be like, I I'm good. Give me more jobs. <laughs> I can do it. Look look at all this right? stuff. Look at, <laughs> look at all this stuff. Look See at all this stuff. Look at it. I'm always impressed with the image that is chosen for IMDb for a lot of people because the director's headshot, for lack of a better word, is literally like a saber tooth tiger roaring. And I'm like, who Good decided that that is so funny? That that is your IMDb page. I mean, we we get there's so many times where it's just like, what happened here? And I I I, I love maybe he is a saber tooth tiger. I've never seen him in real life. But yeah, I do. I, I just know. you don't know uh, he's a saber tooth tiger. You just don't know. You don't. Uh, I just I'm so glad that this is one of the very limited experiences that I have had with um, Children of the Corn That's because special. this is a perfect experience of Children of the Corn. I don't think I need to see any other ones. Oh. <laughs> this one's incredible. Ten out of ten. <laughs> no more needed because this one is just like so campy and wild and weird but also like goes the distance with the practical effects that you're like okay i can respect what it's trying to do here like it is silly but it knows like what it's doing when it wants to be gross and goopy and in horror so you know kudos to them i will say like part five is like it's one of the scream clones like when everybody was trying to be scream oh okay but then it's also like ah but these earlier ones are really crazy so we have to put some really crazy stuff in there and that's like a really cool vibe as well i think like david carradine is in it and he gets one of the craziest scenes i've ever seen in my life like they give him nothing to do and then there's 10 seconds of just, like, the most what-the-fuck thing I've ever seen in my life. And I recommend it for that, at least. Okay. Ava Mendez is in it, too? It was her first uh, big role. Sometimes she shits on it. Does she really? Yeah, yeah. It's her, Alexis Arquette, Fred Williamson. There's there's five Scott Oh, my cast. God. Yeah. Oh. I- Huh. I'm just really, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised that I've never given this this series a chance. And I honestly, I kind I am of actually am surprised too, Terry. Obsessed. I want to watch more. To be perfectly honest, Do this it. is kind of the and I want to know how it shit. goes. Like, let me know. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we will get into Children of I the Corn. I think we should, Mary Beth. <laughs> All right, well, do we want to wrap this up and give this our rating out of five? That sounds good. All right, Terry, you're up first. Um, How many delicious, delicious ears of corn out of five do you give Children (laughs) of the Corn 3, colon, Urban Harvest? I mean, this this might be... I I don't know. I I feel weird (laughs) saying this, but I honestly think that this is four ears of corn. Just because I was... I was not I was not expecting I mean I probably would go three and a half if I was being more critical, but like in terms of of what we got, I was not expecting this movie to be as much fun as it was, as goopy as it was, as kick ass practical effects as it was, as campy as it was. Like there's yeah. there's so many things here that I feel are operating on on a higher level than something released on VHS in the nineties typically deserves. And I don't know. I I loved the 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 cult aspect of it. I love this idea that the that the cult leader is 
sprinkling in things that make perfect sense in terms of like, yeah, yeah. adults are fucking up the world. I love that. Um, the the ending monster is just. I was like, okay. When I when I was talking with Joe Lipset of the Horror Queers, I was he we were recording last night and. He was like, I, I told him I was going to watch. He's like, oh, I think that one's fun. I don't remember. And he's like, you have to tell me how it was. And I messaged him like halfway through the movie. He's like, I'm really enjoying this. This can't be fun. And then we got to that end, that end climax. And I was like, message him. I was like, nope, this movie is great. This movie is perfect. You got to watch this one. Because <laughs> I was not, again, expecting this to be as good as it was. So I'm going yeah. to give it four because it was a lot of fun. What about you, Mary Beth? So honestly, I might have to give it four too because, again, I – I heard, Eric, this is no offense to you. I heard third installment of a franchise. I knew it was going to be fun. Like, I knew I was going to enjoy it for what no, it was. I understand. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know a third installment of a franchise, like Children of the Corn, is going to be one thing. And I'm okay with that because I like those kinds. Like, I, I like watching those kinds of movies. But it just, like, was much more interesting than I had expected. I had much more fun with it. I thought it was just weird and took way more risks than I was expecting. And again, goopy as fuck and just like kind of endearing and also had a really good creepy kid preaching about things that like, ooh, all right. And I just love a good mean horror movie. And this mm. horror movie is like pretty fucking mean. So I'm going to give it a four. Um, Eric, you have the final word. How many delicious ears of corn do you give Children of a Corn 3 Urban Harvest? I'm a, I'm a four and a half. Uh, Hell yeah. All right, cool. I cool, understand cool. it's not a perfect movie, but it is pretty close. Uh, it's a four and a half. Feels very fair. Hell yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for joining us to talk about Children of the Corn 3 Urban Fervor. <laughs> Where can our listeners find you and um, talk about your Kickstarter campaign? Oh my goodness. I'm on Twitter all the time. Eric Lawrence. It's me. L O R I N C. Don't see that super often or e-r-i-c-k how many eric's with a c-k do you know i mean that's not, true not a lot but <laughs> no. I'm, I'm there uh we have a kickstarter going for our film high beams right now you just type in high beams kickstarter it'll come right on up we're shooting it on 16 millimeter film it's a big old throwback to some of the mean exploitation slasher movies uh that you love but set nowadays with nowadays characters and that's about it i don't know i had such a good time being here you guys this was awesome <laughs> yeah so and listeners came. we will have a link to the kickstarter in the show notes so go check it out and support independent horror yeah it's always it's so important always all right, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Children of the Corn 3, Urban Fervor, slash Urban Harvest? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MV McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we are on Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.